passion for God and compassion for our neighbor. Reaching people with Jesus. This is Crosswinds Church. And now, here's Pastor Kurt Truxis. If you're uh, a guest with us this morning, it's great to have you. My name is Kurt, and I'm one of the pastors here. And I'd also like to tell you, if you're a father, happy Father's Day to you. Hey, there you go. So I I sort of want to get that over with like one big blanket happy Father's Day to everybody. So I don't have to shake your hands, every single one of you in the foyer afterwards. Just get that out of the way. There's a lot of fun stuff going on here at Crosswinds. Maybe you, you knew this. But Pastor Jordan and I, he's the Spencer campus pastor, we'd always had this idea that maybe God would be really good to us someday and we'd be able to actually send a missionary out from among us to a a foreign overseas people. God would raise somebody up like that. And God did that recently with Kevin and Tara Brown. Uh, They are actually from the Spencer campus and we just sent them out as missionaries to Tanzania and we helped with their fundraising and specifically we focused on how we could help them with the last 10,000 of travel. And excitingly, we were able to raise $12,669 for their travel expenses to get them over to Tanzania. And that's super exciting. We're about a church. We're a church that's about reaching people with Jesus. And we often talk about reaching people with Jesus right here in our communities, that every single one of us is on mission with our neighbors in, in our neighborhood. But part of that mission is also reaching people with Jesus around the world. And we're super excited to have been able to send out Kevin and Tara Brown. As part of that mission, the elders recently announced that we are on a small capital campaign of about $110,000 we're trying to raise. So far, we've received about $7,000 toward that goal. And you wonder, what's that capital campaign going to be used for? About a decade ago, we began to do some modernization to this facility, and we did the stage, and we did the projectors, and things, or did a, the, the sound, and things like that. And then we stopped because we realized that God was calling us to open another campus in Spencer. And so we focused on that really for the last decade. The the Spencer campus runs about 200 right now, and they have their own facilities. We're excited about that. We just completed those in January. And so with those things in our rearview mirror, we wanted to get back to what we had started 10 years ago, which was updating these facilities to help us better reach people with Jesus. And that $110,000 is going to be used for a few things. One is to repaint this uh, room. And you may notice, by the way, the walls, the flat walls all the way around, we've got those repainted this week. The upper walls are still that yellow. Uh, We've got the other bottom walls repainted. You're like, I can't see it. It's too dark in here. Wait till after the service. The lights will be on at that point. But we got that part done. Uh, We also are hoping to get chairs here instead of pews. And that'll be nice. We're going to also switch over from the traditional incandescent lights we have here to modern LED fixtures, which actually will tie into our soundboard and be a lot easier to work with. I shouldn't say soundboard. Sorry, lightboard, tech tech thing. Robert's laughing at me here. Tie into our lightboard and be a lot easier to work with. In addition, we're hoping to put a small garage on the end of the gym so we have some storage space in this facility, which is something we don't have. So as God leads you, I'd encourage you to give towards that capital campaign. You can give it by simply putting on your check in the memo line, capital campaign, and putting your check in one of the offering boxes on the way out. 
or if you use the church app, there's an, a line in there that you can give in the church app and simply say the capital fund in, in that checkbox. If you don't have the church app, I'd encourage you to get that. You can simply uh, turn your bulletin over on the backside as a little QR code. Scan that QR code. It'll walk you through getting set up in our church app. And that's how we do a lot of our communication here at church. It's a pretty neat and, and cool way. So I encourage you to be part of that. This morning, we're continuing in our series called Taming the Tongue. And we're going to be looking at the topic of gossip and slander, which obviously is irrelevant to everybody in this room. <laughs> Nobody ever struggled with that, did you? I think we all struggle with it. In fact, if you look at it, gossip is everywhere. Simply go to your social media feed. Isn't it filled with gossip? Uh, look at your televisions. Televisions have gossip on them. Uh, if, even when you listen to the news, a lot of the news that we hear and it's carried by our, our news stations, it's not purely news. A lot of it is gossip and slander about other people. And go to the checkout line, go to the local high V, and you'll see the magazine covers right there as you walk by. And what are, what are the headlines trying to grab your attention? It's gossip about somebody rich and famous and what is going on in their life. And if you buy this magazine, you can get in on their dirt. And people buy that kind of stuff. They're really drawn into that. But more serious than casual gossip that draws people in is gossip that is intentional and gossip that can be really devastating. As I was researching for this message, I ran across this story, which is true. A lady was a nurse, and she happened to have her patient list at home with her that had phone numbers of the patients on it. And her 13-year-old daughter thought she'd play a prank and thought she'd be cool, so she started calling through the patient list, telling these folks that she was with the hospital and they had been diagnosed with AIDS. The girl thought it was funny, but it was devastating to those people, and thankfully it was caught in the and put their bed as a problem before it really spread too much. But there was one lady that she had called who was 60 years old who was already in the process of preparing to commit suicide from that information because she was so incredibly devastated. Gossip, whether it's true or false, can be devastating to someone's life. And the one reason that gossip is so difficult and it's so devastating is because gossip is irreparable and it's uncontrollable. The way to think of it is this. There is a story of a man who gossiped about a friend and so he went to his local priest and he said to the priest, I really shouldn't have gossiped about him. Shouldn't have said the things I did. What am I supposed to do? So the priest told him to go get a pillow, go to the center of town, tear open the pillow, and then come back and talk to me. So the guy did that, tore open the pillow in the center of town, and came back to talk to his priest. He said, how did tearing open that pillow help me with my gossip? And the priest said, now I want you to go and find every single feather that was in that pillow and put it back inside. And the man said, that's impossible. There's, that's irretrievable. The priest said to him, that's like it is with gossip. There's really almost nothing you can do at this point because once you've said things to people about other people, who knows where it's going to go and who knows who's going to hear it and what kind of damage will ultimately be done. Uh, 
So gossip, while it's a casual thing that so many of us engage in, can have incredible damage uh, to other people's lives and reputations. So this morning, as we got, talk about this topic, we're going to look at it under, under a number of headings. First, we'll look at why do we gossip? Next, we're going to look at uh, what are some, what does the Bible say about different types of gossip? And then we're going to study those in the Bible for a little bit. Then we'll look at what are the myths of gossip, the things we try to tell ourselves to justify the gossip we engage in, even though we know it's fully wrong. And lastly, we'll look at the question of what do we do when someone gossips about us? How should we respond then? So if you have your outlines, take them out. We're going to start right on the top. Why do we gossip? And it starts with this. Gossip comes from loving ourselves more than other people. Galatians 5.14. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. When we gossip about other people, when we say things about other people, that we would never want other people saying about, saying about us. The reason we do that is because we love ourselves more than we do other people. We care about our reputations more than we do about other people's reputations. If we speak about someone else in a way that we would never want someone else speaking about us, we've crossed the line. We're entering into gossip. And if you do not like it when someone talks about you negatively behind your back, then we should not talk about someone negatively behind their back. And when we do, the reason we do that is because we love ourselves more than other people. And we care about our reputation more than we care about other people's reputation. Next reason we gossip. Gossip comes from idleness. 1 Timothy 5.13 Besides that, they learn to be idlers, going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying what they should not. Paul says that some people gossip simply because they have too much time on their hands. So they talk about other people. people refer, or Paul refers here to certain widows that he calls idlers. Uh, what is an idler? An idler is somebody who doesn't work too much. Incidentally, the, the Greek term doesn't refer to someone who can't work, but somebody who could work, but chooses not to work. And because they're living unproductive lives, not helping other people, not serving other people, they end up spending their time talking about other people all the time. And it's because, Paul says, they have too much time on their hands. So they engage in gossip. And he says they're not just gossips, but they're busybodies. That's a great Greek word translated across. A busybody literally means somebody who fusses or concerns themselves with other people's business instead of their own business. They've got their nose in somebody else's life instead of just worrying about their own life, which is where their business and focus and attention should be. And Paul says these are people that are going house to house to gossip about other people and to be busybodies talking about other people and their lives. Now, by the way, people like this today, 
you don't even have to go house to house to engage in gossip. You have this thing called the cell phone. Gossip is so much easier now. None of the hassles of having to go outside of your house and put on your jacket. You just pick up your phone and dial your friend. And some of us are so lazy, we, don't, we just use speakerphone. We don't even have to hold the phone up to our ear anymore to talk about other people or to text juicy bits of information about other people. And then others of us, we get on social media and we just share juicy bits of information about other people with the entire world. And sometimes it comes from people that just simply have too much time on their hands. If they were busy at work serving other people, helping other people, they wouldn't have so much time to talk about other people. Very practical. The Bible is so good this way. <clears throat> Point C. Gossip comes from a desire to be the center of attention. Let's just face it. The reason some people gossip is because they love it when others lean into them, when others listen to them and say, tell me more. I, I want more details. The gossip does it because they like being the center of attention. And they use gossip as the tool to get that power and control. Another reason we gossip. Gossip comes from a desire to pull ourselves up by pushing others down. If I can talk about someone else in a derogatory way, I subconsciously start to feel better about myself. Talk about them, at least I'm not like those people, because now I'm better than those people, which is oftentimes what motivates a lot of us to listen to the news. We look at the news and we hear about that murderer or that thief, and we subconsciously say, well, I'm not like that person, so I must be better than I originally thought about myself. When my children were little and they'd go to school, there would inevitably be some kids who would like to pick on them. Some people who would gossip about them, who'd try and just get under their skin and say mean things to them. And I would tell my kids, you know the reason those boys or those girls are doing that to you? Because they're unhappy kids. They're from an unhappy home. Some of them don't have parents that love them. And if they can push you down, it's their way of trying to pull themselves up and feel better about themselves. Ultimately, they're sort of jealous of you. So they're trying to destroy you with their words. That's one of the reasons people gossip. Pull themselves up by trying to push other people down. Here's another reason. Gossip comes from bitterness. When somebody hurts us, and we do not forgive them, and we hold on to that hurt, and we start to get bitter, and we get angry inside, you know what starts to leak out of our mouth? Negative words about them. We start to gossip in a negative way about them. Sometimes we'll slander them in a negative way. Whenever their, top, their name comes up, we're quick to throw them under the brush as a way of getting even with them through our words about them. And here's a problem. We think we can live with this unforgiven anger against this person in this one little compartment in our lives. But the truth is 
that unforgiveness and that bitterness that comes out in gossiping words leaks into other areas of our lives. Because while we have this unforgiven relationship here, we come into a different relationship with somebody else and they irritate us. They get under our skin a little bit. And what happens is all the anger from over here all of a sudden flows into this new relationship and we get a disproportionate response out of our mouth to the nature of the offense that we just received. So when you hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness, you'll find yourself using gossip and slanderous words, not just to the person who hurt you, but about other people in your life that maybe hurt you or irritate you in even minor ways. Now, those are some of the reasons we gossip. Let's look at what, is the, what kinds of gossip are there. If you look at it in Greek and Hebrew, there's a number of different Hebrew words for gossip. There's a number of different Greek words for gossip. But for the purpose of our study this morning, I'm going to just lump them all under two English words that are very common to us, and I've already used them uh, so far in the message, but I'll explain them in a little greater detail. The first word I'm going to use is gossip, which can be just idle chatter, it's not necessarily malicious in intent. Just talking about other people. That, that's the first category. Here's some examples from the scriptures. 2 Timothy 2, 16. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. Babble simply means pointless and senseless conversations that are wasting time and not building any other anyone up. And it specifically talks about here irreverent babble, just pointless conversations that really do not put a smile on God's face when he hears those kind of conversations. They're not helping building up someone's morals. They're not giving honor or glory to God. They're just pointless talking. Now, you may wonder, what does this look like in everyday life? I'll give you two examples. Do you know those people that whenever you get into a conversation with them, it's only about 30 seconds and the conversation turns to politics? Like, they only have one thing they can talk about, which is politics. There's no depth beyond a political conversation with them. And you know exactly what they're going to say. You know the problems. You're all aware of the problems. I'm not saying politics don't matter. I'm not saying we shouldn't vote. I'm not saying any of those things. But there's those people that are just one-dimensional and always talk about politics and always grumble and always complain and always whine. And after a while, you're like, I don't even want to talk to these people. It's a waste of my time. It's a waste of conversation. I know what they're going to say. Everybody knows what they're going to say. And it sort of ends up being irreverent babble after a while. Another example of irreverent babble is what I would call off-color jokes. You know those jokes. I know those jokes because people have shared with me those jokes. And you think, if I share that joke with a group of friends, I know everyone is going to laugh. But the problem is everyone is also going to remember that joke because of its sexual innuendo or sexual humor. And it really is not doing anybody any good, is it? Not building anyone up, not conforming them to Christ, just sort of irreverent, pointless babble in use of words. 
the Bible says this should not be part of our life. It's general gossip. Another term we see describing this kind of general gossip is that uh, in the Bible is the term of a whisperer. That's somebody who shares juicy tidbits of information about other people behind their backs. Psalm 41, verse 7. All who hate me whisper together about me. They imagine the worst for me. They're just talking little bits of juicy tidbits of information about me behind my back. Not healthy, not good. So we've seen the first category we'll look at is gossip, which is talking about other people, not intending necessarily to be malicious, but just general unhelpful discussion. The next category we'll look at is slander. Slander is intentionally sharing true or false information to undermine someone's life and to destroy their reputations. It's using our words as a weapon to destroy others. The Bible says this in Jeremiah 9, 6. Let everyone beware of his neighbor and put no trust in any brother, for every brother is a deceiver, and every neighbor goes about as a slanderer. To give you a heads up before we get there into our, our this morning's study, the Bible speaks very strongly against slander. And that slander, using our words as weapons to undermine other people, should never, ever be part of a Christian's life. Uh, we'll see that as we get into study what the Word of God says. Before we start to look at more verses on the topics of gossip and slander, I want to give you a little heads up of something I found in my study. When you go into the ESV, which is the translation we typically use, most of the verses in the ESV talking about these topics almost always translate these Greek or Hebrew words into English with the word slander. That slander seems to be the one word they like to use. They almost never use gossip. But when I went to the NIV, the NIV uses gossip as a, a translation word a little bit more equitably than slander. So I found myself liking the NIV a touch more than the ESV in this particular study because I think the NIV maintained the subtle nuance of different intentionalities a little better. That slander is intentional and gossip is a little bit more general and inadvertent. So we're going to use the NIV verses as we go through this. Let's dive in. What does the Bible say about gossip? Have you ever heard of R.J. Letourneau? He designed heavy excavators and earth-moving equipment, and one of his scrapers is called the Model G. And one time he was asked, why do you call this earth scraper the Model G? And he had a witty answer. He said, I call it the Model G because G reminds me of gossip. Just like gossip, this scraper moves a lot of dirt and moves it really fast. So let's dive in to talk about gossip and how it moves dirt. Proverbs eleven thirteen: A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Some people like to gossip, and they just can't help but talk to other people 
whatever you seem to share with them. You share something with them, even if it's confidential, you say, don't repeat it. What do they do? They tell other people your business. I like to call these people the manure spreaders. Because manure spreaders take dirt and they throw it on everyone and they throw it everywhere. And that's what a gossip does. They take your dirt, they throw it on everyone, and they throw it everywhere. I remember when I was on my first mission trip as a high school kid. And we were in Switzerland. That's where I was doing the mission work. And we had tent buddies. They paired us up by twos. And I was in my tent with my tent buddy. And I share with my tent buddy as a high school student some things I was struggling with in life that were really personal. And we were going to pray for each other. You know, all that kind of good stuff goes. And I didn't realize this guy was an incredible gossip. Because over the next week, he told, oh, thank you so much. My wife is looking out for me. He told not just other guys, but he told the other girls on the mission team all of my personal business. And people were coming up to me and, and asking me about these things. And I was just horrified. I didn't even want to go to like the meals anymore to eat with my team because I was so red-faced and embarrassed. But that's what a gossip does. A gossip takes anything you share privately or confidentially, and they just spread it everywhere to everyone. Proverbs 16.28, a perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. When you share something in confidence with another person, the idea is you want to bring that relationship closer together. You've shared something with them you wouldn't normally share with other people. So you're hoping to be closer. But a gossip, they make it go the opposite way because they take your information and they start to share it with other people. You don't want to get closer to them. You find yourself totally repulsed by them. You want to completely get away from them. Even if they're your best friend, you don't want to talk to them anymore because they cannot maintain confidentiality and keep their mouth shut. This is especially true in a church. Gossips will destroy churches. You never, ever want to let somebody who is a gossip into a position of leadership in a church. Now, I can say this because this is not true of something that happened at Crosswinds Church. It was true of a church that I was a part of before I came here, that I was on the nomination board in that church, and we were looking at future elders. And there was one man that we disqualified as an elder, not because of his walk with Jesus Christ. He was a good and godly man. But his wife was a consistent gossip. And we said, if we have any kind of confidential conversations, and if somebody's struggling with a sin issue, when we're working through that, and he happens to say anything to his wife, we might as well just publicize it in the paper. And so he was disqualified from leadership because gossiping separates people and destroys relationships. Proverbs 18.8, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. You say, choice morsels, what is that? That means snack foods. Anybody like snack foods? Anybody have a hard time stopping after you get started on snack foods? Anybody can satisfy themselves by eating only one potato chip? 
you start with one potato chip and you just want more potato chips. That's the way it is with gossip. When you start to hear it, it's hard to stop hearing it. Because you want to say, tell me more. I want to know more about what happened. Give me some more juicy tidbits. Gossip is very addictive. But just as overindulging on snack food can leave you feeling very sick, overindulging on gossip can sicken and ruin your relationships with all kinds of people. Because what happens is you hear gossip about other people. You don't know if the gossip you heard is true. You don't know if the gossip you heard is false. But you know that the gossip who's sharing with you the information likes to talk about other people all the time. And now when you look at people around you, people you've heard gossip about, that is like a lens in front of your eyes. It colors all of your interactions with them. It sours all of your interactions with them. Maybe you normally would trust a person, but you heard some gossip about a person. Now you want to stay away from that person because gossip ruins relationships and creates division between people. Gossip doesn't draw people together. It tears people apart. Proverbs 26.20, without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. Whenever you have quarreling, whenever you have bickering, whenever you have division inside of any organization, and that includes the church, you can almost always go back and find that bickering and that quarreling and that division is because of a small group of gossips. And what they do is they spread information. They start to talk about people behind their backs. And when the quarrel dies down, they throw another log on the fire to keep the gossip, bickering, and division going. Now, as a pastor, let me talk transparently about this. I've been doing this job for over 30 years, and I've seen plenty of gossip, plenty of bickering, and seen how it works in the church. My favorite is when people come into my office and they'll say things like, Pastor, we have a problem with something you said in your sermon. Or, Pastor, we want you to know that we really don't like the coffee. Or, Pastor, the air conditioning is too cold. Or, the heat is too hot. And I would say, well, who's struggling with these things? How can we help them and fix these things? Oh, we can't tell you. No, no, they asked to remain confidential. But we do need to let you know, Pastor, that people are talking. I'm like, no, people are gossiping. They're tearing apart the relational unity of the church. They don't want a solution. They know if they talked to me about the coffee they didn't like, I'd make them come the next week at 7 a.m. to make it themselves. What they want to do is be in power and in control with their friends, with their bickering and gossiping. That's what they're doing. And I often think like the Apostle Paul, the reason they're doing it is because they have too much idle time on their hands. Get involved serving. Get involved helping. Put your shoulder to the wheel. And trust me, you won't have time to gossip. You'll be so busy helping others. That's the way it works. Here's another one. Proverbs 20, 19. A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. Oh, I love this verse. You're looking for a good memory verse this week? That's it. You're just going to focus on the last part and say, avoid anyone who talks too much. 
So you're going to come to your friend and he's going to say, oh, the, I was in my, my Bible study. I read this verse. And I really can't talk to you anymore. Why not? Well, it says avoid anyone who talks too much and you talk too much and you talk about me too much. So I have to avoid you. I mean, the Bible is so practical in these areas, isn't it? Here's another one. Wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip. Liars pay close attention to slander. This is a good check of our hearts. We already know that gossip is like tasty morsels. It wants to draw us in. We want to get addicted to hearing more of it. But how do we react in our heart when somebody tells us gossip about another person or slanderous words about another person? Do we salivate over it? Do we say, I want to hear more of it? Tell me more of that dirt? If we are longing to hear those kind of things, the problem is there's an evil heart inside of us. We shouldn't be longing to hear those things. We should be saying, I really don't want to know those kind of things. It doesn't do me any good. It doesn't do you any good. It doesn't do that person any good. We shouldn't even be talking about these kind of things. There's no solution out of this. It's just ruining everyone's life and reputation. I think of uh, a few months ago, I was meeting with a person, and they started telling me details about what happened in a local organization. It was definitely executive-level stuff happening in their board. Obviously, should have been kept as a confidential conversation in the board. And this person just starts sharing this stuff with me. And I'm thinking, like, I don't want to know this. Don't talk to me. I really want to, want to know these details because now when I look at these people around town, it's very hard to look at them without remembering what you told me. And I have no way to verify if it's true or false. What am I supposed to do? Come up to them and say, oh, I had a question about some of the things I heard in your confidential staff-level conversations. That doesn't go well. And if I was a little smarter, I should have stopped the person on the spot and said, stop talking because this is gossip and it's not helpful. Here's another one. Others may accuse you of gossip, and you will never regain your good reputation. What a reminder. If a gossip becomes known as a gossip, it's very hard to shake the reputation of being a gossip. And then people don't want to talk to you. People don't want to trust you. People don't want to share things with you, even if you've repented. It's a reputation that's very sticky and hard to get rid of. Proverbs 25, 23. As surely as a north wind brings rain, so a gossiping tongue causes anger. Does anybody like it when someone's angry at you? Anybody like it when someone looks at you and they just say, I'm so disappointed in you? I feel let down by you. Somebody says that about me, that just crushes my heart because I don't want anyone to be disappointed in me. I don't want to let people down and make them angry and hurt. But if we gossip, idle, casual conversations, spreading other people's dirt where it shouldn't go, it's guaranteed that people will be angry at us. Guaranteed that people will be disappointed in us, because that's what gossiping always does. Proverbs, or Psalm 15, 1 through 3, who may worship in your sanctuary, O Lord, who may enter your presence on your holy hill, those who lead blameless lives and do what is right, speaking the truth from sincere hearts, 
Those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends. David is writing about the kind of people who are close with God. And then he says, it's the kind of people who refuse to gossip, the kind of people who refuse to speak evil of their friends. Now, in a church, sometimes you have people that gossip about others. And they may appear to be all all godly and, and close with Christ, but the reality is this verse should cause a check in their spirit. You cannot be a continual gossip who does not maintain privacy for other people and say, I'm in a healthy relationship with Jesus and I'm walking straight with God. You can't. That is not part of the life of someone who is close with God. And maybe this is one of those verses that causes conviction in your heart. Maybe this is one of those verses that causes repentance of sin. And if it is, that's good. Say, Lord, please forgive me. Your word is cut to the very core of my heart. I need to repent. I need to change. That's not a sad thing. My friends, that's a a good thing. The word of God shows us the truth so we can repent and please Jesus. Romans 1.29. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips. Paul is giving uh, a stoic vice list, a list of the qualities of people who are far from God. And he gets murder, envy, all kinds of nasty stuff in there. And then he throws in what? Gossip. Gossip is a serious thing. It comes from a life that is far from God, not a life that is close to God. That's what the Bible says about gossip. Let's move on to the next topic, which is slander. Remember, gossip is sort of casual babble, talking about other people and their stuff, spreading it around, not necessarily malicious in intent, where slander is different. Slander is now we've moved to intentionally using our words as weapons to try and undermine someone's reputation and try to destroy another person's life. One of the Greek words that's translated into English as slander is the Greek word diabolos, which is also translated as the devil. The devil loves to slander us, use his words to speak against us, to undermine us and destroy our lives. And when we use our words to slander the reputations of others, to ruin their lives, we are actually acting more like the devil than we are like Jesus, because the devil is a good slanderer. Let's look at the first verse, Psalm 50, verse 20. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. The Hebrew here, he says, uh, here's a person who slanders, uses his words as a weapon against somebody who is literally his, his brother, his family member. And by the way, I think this doesn't just apply to biological family members. I think this could also apply to brothers and sisters in Christ, that we should not be using our words to destroy and defame the reputations and lives of other Christians. 
And as I was thinking about this, there's an illustration that came to mind. I'll just share this illustration. You may agree with me. You may disagree with me. You can talk about it in your life group and see which way you fall, but I'll share it with you. Are any of you familiar with Christianity Today magazine? You heard of that? I think Christianity Today seems to have a reputation for liking to slander Christians who fall into sin. I'll give you some examples. You know about Ravi Zacharias, who, uh, who had a great ministry for a number of years, and then he really went off the deep end, got involved in a bunch of things he shouldn't, ended up dying of, uh, of cancer. But what Christianity Today did is they went and they researched all the dirt, all the details of when he fell into sin and, and really made a mess of things. And then they published it as the cover article of their magazine for every single other Christian to learn about all the dirt and sin of Ravi Zacharias' life, destroying what anything left, anything good that he had left in him. Or take uh, Mark Driscoll and Mars Hill. Christianity Today went and they did a podcast about this, which, by the way, became the third most downloaded podcast on Apple iTunes. Shows you how many people were gobbling it up. It's a podcast where they interviewed the ex-employees of Mars Hill Church and all the problems and frustrations they had of Mars Hill Church. And really ruined a lot of any good that Mark Driscoll had done at that point. Now, Christianity Today says they do this so people can learn from the mistakes of others and avoid repeating the mistakes of others. But as I thought about that, I get the point of what they're saying. What they're, they're doing is they're slandering a brother or sister in Christ. They're using their words as weapons to take what any kind of dirt, any kind of details, it really should be private things that should be repented of and make them public to just throw a Christian completely under the bus. It's like they're trying to carry out God's justice for him. Folks, we don't need to carry out justice. God takes care of justice. It is not Christianity today's job to take care of justice against other people by using their words as weapons. It's not our job to carry out God's justice by using our words as weapons against other people who hurt us or who fail us. God is fully capable of carrying out justice. We have seen this so clearly in 1st and 2nd Samuel. What did Saul do to David? Tried to murder him, chased him for years. David deserved none of this. And yet Saul was bent on murder. David did not need to speak a slanderous word against Saul. God took care of it all. Saul died. Saul's four sons died. Abner, Saul's commander of the army. God just wiped out all of Saul's line and then raised David to the throne. And David didn't have to use his words to get even. Folks, we should learn from that. When people hurt us, when people disappoint us, we don't need to use our words to get even against them, especially if they're a brother or sister in Christ. God will take care of justice. It's in his hands, not in ours. James 4.11 says this, Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Don't use your words as a weapon to get even against a brother or sister in Christ. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. 
And when you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. James says that when we choose to slander others, we're putting ourselves above God's law, not putting ourselves under God's law. We're saying God's law may say not to slander others, but we're different. We're special. Our situation is an exception to the rule, so I can use my words as weapons to ruin other people's lives. And James says, we never, ever do that. Now, you may wonder, God's law, what is he referring to? He's actually referring to God's law in Leviticus 19, verse 16, where it just says very clearly, do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. We never use our words as weapons to a brother or sister in Christ. And then God ends it with, by the way, this is God speaking. This is not an opinion. These are my words. That's what he says. Then it follows up with this. Do not seek revenge and, or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This is God speaking on this one. We don't hold a grudge against a brother or sister in Christ. We try to be as forgiving as possible. No matter how much our brother or sister in Christ has disappointed us or failed us or failed Jesus, we seek to love our neighbor the way we would like someone to love and forgive us. Even if people hurt you, even if they go out of, they disappoint you, we still go out of our way to love them. We refuse, you got this? Refuse to hold a grudge against them. Now, some of you may say, well, what about family? Family people, you know, they, they always hurt you. Their words aren't nice to you. Well, here's what you do. You don't hold a grudge against family. You don't slanderously speak words against your sister, your brother. What you do is you maybe just adjust your expectations of them. Maybe your expectations are up here, but you know, you really can't expect up here. So you put your expectations down here. So that way when they disappoint you and hurt you, you're not so devastated anymore because your expectations are now rightly set, not wrongly set. But you never, we never use our words as weapons to try and get even. 1 Peter 2, verse 1, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Peter names five things that should not be part of a Christian's life, no matter what. And the last one he gets to is slander, using our words as weapons to get even with somebody else and to get revenge on somebody else. Psalm 101, verse 5, Whoever slanders their neighbor in secret I will put to silence. Whoever has haughty eyes and a proud heart, I will not tolerate. In this psalm, David writes about those whom God works against, those whom God disciplines. When somebody chooses to ruin other people's lives through their words, slandering them in secret behind their back. They think that nobody knows what they're doing. I'm going to get away with this. God says, I know exactly what you're doing and I will put you to silence. 
because God's people do not use slanderous words. And by the way, God did a really good job with that when it came to Saul, didn't he? He put Saul to silence in a hurry. Took Saul out, took all four sons out, took Abner out, took everybody out from Saul's line. So David, when he finally gets into the throne, he starts to reflect, hey, who can I show kindness to in Saul's family? The only one he can find is a grandson of Saul, a lame guy named Mephibosheth, who's in hiding because God has put that whole family line to silence. So God can take care of justice, and he does it quite well. Titus chapter 3, 1 through 2. It says, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. This is describing what a Christian life should be like. And to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. Paul is describing to Titus what a Christian life should look like. And he throws in there, to speak evil of no one. Then when you go to Colossians, he goes to the other direction. And we know what a good Christian life should look like. And in Colossians, he says, what are the things that as a Christian we should take out of our life? But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, and here it is, slander and obscene talk from your mouth. Slander is one of those things that Christians should expunge from their life. It's not to be something we do. Well, we've looked at gossip. We've looked at slander. We've seen what the Bible says about it, some very clear things. Now let's look at what are the myths of gossip and slander. What are the things we try to do to justify speaking our gossip and slanderous words? Here's the things we do. Gossip and slander, we say, well, they're just women's sins. We're guys. We don't ever gossip. Just the ladies, they do it. Well, I would tell you that 1 Timothy chapter 3 and 1 Timothy five do mention women specifically with gossip and slander, but every other verse in the Bible when it speaks about gossip and slander applies to both men and to women. So guys, we can gossip and speak slanderous with the best of them, can't we? We just call it shop talk. And we try to make it sound good. But we can do this so easily. Here's another way we try to justify this. If something is true, well, it's okay to repeat it. If something is true, that doesn't necessarily mean we should repeat it. There are many true things that are better left unspoken and unrepeated. The Bible says this, what our talk should be like. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Well, you may know a true thing, but is it going to build people up if you start to share it with everybody else? Is it going to give grace to someone's life if you start gossiping about it with other people? If it's not, you may know a true thing, a juicy tidbit, but we shouldn't be repeating those kind of things to other people. It's not building other people up. It ends up tearing them down, especially the person about whom the gossip is spoken. Here's another way we try to justify our gossip. Prayer concerns justify sharing sensitive information. Sometimes when you're in a, a prayer time and people say, well, well, I have a confidential prayer request I can't share. 
I've been guilty of this. Well, why can't you share it? I mean, tell me more. You know, we just, we just naturally have that inquisitive nature about us. But sometimes we shouldn't say that at all. Don't tell me about a confidential prayer request if it's not helpful, if it's just a justification for gossip, if it's just a matter of idle babble and chatter that's not really any good. We'll definitely pray for you, and it can stay confidential. I don't necessarily want to know what I don't need to know. And that brings us to the final point, which is the one I know you're most interested in. What should I do when people gossip about me? There's three points. First thing is pray and leave the matter with God. 1 Peter 5.7, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. The Bible reminds us with everything that worries us, everything that concerns us, everything that overwhelms us, we should go to prayer, casting our anxieties on God, knowing that he cares for you, he loves you, and he wants to help you and be compassionate to you. Speaking personally, when sometimes people gossip about me, and I think about that pillow illustration, that even if I try to straighten it out, there's no way that I can get back the gossip. It's irretractable. It's uncontrollable. So I end up just saying, Lord, you know, you're the one who sustains my life. Lord, you're the one who's going to have to just sustain my reputation in the face of this gossip. I just give it to you. You're the one who can control people's mouths, not me. Another thing, ignore it. And if Ecclesiastes 7, 21 through 22, do not take to heart all the things that people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. Or Proverbs 19, 11, good sense makes one slow to anger, and it's his glory to overlook an offense. Now, if somebody uh, gossips about you or says something about you or brings something to your attention, which, by the way, is helpful, and you realize you have sinned against others, obviously you go to them, obviously you straighten it out, obviously you repent. But sometimes people are just gossiping information about you that's not true, that's not helpful, and you feel like your reputation is being drugged through the mud, and so you pray it and leave it to God, and then I just say, just ignore it, just move on. A little saying that's been very helpful to me is the truth and time go hand in hand. If the things that people saying, are saying about you aren't true about you, over time it'll become patently obvious that whatever someone else is saying about you is not true at all, it's just a lie. Everyone will know it over time. Just go forward serving Jesus, smile on your face, keep loving other people, keep helping other people, keep living your life for Jesus, and the gossip that people have said about you will not stick if it's not true. Last one is this. See, go to the one who is gossiping about you in a spirit of restoration. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. Be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. If somebody's gossiping about you and you happen to find out who is the source of the gossip and what they're saying about you, it's real easy to just start avoiding them, to never want to talk to them. But I would challenge you, take the initiative, talk to them, not in anger, not in vengefulness, not in rage. Talk to them gently, 
talk to them lovely and try and restore them instead of destroy them. Do you see what I'm saying with that? Have the courage to talk to them and restore them, not destroy them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, a lot of stuff we covered today about gossip and slander. What a reminder, Lord, that gossip, this idle chatter about other people can be so incredibly destructive. How gossip, it really is a vie for power and control. Gossip doesn't draw people together, but gossip tears people apart. And Lord, we want to admit that we have used our words in gossiping ways. We have slandered other people with our lips. And we just want to ask your forgiveness. Please forgive us for when we've used our words as weapons to ruin the lives of others. We've run to the grace of Jesus. We've run to the forgiveness of Jesus this morning. May you clean our mouth. May it be like uh, Isaiah who says, I'm a man of unclean lips, dwelling among people of unclean lips. And then the, the angel took a coal, a, fire, a coal from the fire of the altar and touched my lips and his sin was taken away. Jesus, forgive us for the sin of our mouth. May we be people who use our words in ways that are pleasing to you, maintaining confidentiality when we should. We live in a world filled with slander, filled with gossip. May the way that people around us use their words not rub off on us, but may we be distinctively different as we build others up and refuse to tear them down. And all God's people said, Amen. This has been a presentation of Crosswinds Church. A complete archive of sermons can be found online at crosswinds.tv. Thank you for being with us, and may God continue to enrich your life.